Hey, y'all. Here we are again. Uh, El Chicanya presents Almost Live from Big D's Party Palace. I'm here with Fernie G. Howdy. Ben Ami. Good afternoon. And my name is Rich Wright, and we're today we're going to talk about the thing that's everybody's talking about, the thing that's really affecting El Paso a lot, and that is the migrant crisis. Everybody from South America wants to be here in the United States, and a lot of them are coming through El Paso. The governor of Chihuahua said they had 35,000 migrants in Juarez waiting to come over here. Yesterday, I read a stat that said there were 15,000, so there's some discrepancy, but either way, it's a lot of people coming over here. And uh, they've Customs and Border Patrol has asked people to stop using the Paso del Norte Bridge, which really hurts me because that's the bridge I take when I give tours of downtown Juarez over there. So I don't know how that's going to work out. I know that I have uh, canceled two tours so far and maybe more. We're going to see how it plays out. I got more tours on the books that I don't know if we're going to be able to do or not. But it's weird. You know, I was walking down Mesa. I was driving down Mesa. I saw some uh, immigrants walking down. You can tell them because they got the yellow folder. Mm-hmm. The yellow folder means they're being processed or they've been processed and they've been released into the El Paso community. I heard some people tried to go through the Border Patrol checkpoint with that yellow folder and they either got arrested or turned back, something like that. Huh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wow, you know. Yeah, Reuters is reporting that crossings top 10,000 a day before Title 42 ends. So after it's going to end probably going to skyrocket yeah who knows it's then we're going to title eight which is the usual immigration asylum seeking policy and you know i think nobody knows exactly what's going to happen and uh well there's you know there's they've stopped the streetcar did you hear that i did Mm -hmm. i sure did they stopped the streetcar they shut down father rom street there by sacred heart it's closed to traffic, and uh, it, it, it's closed to pedestrian traffic. You can't even go down there. Is that right? Oh, really? Yeah, you, you can't even walk. I saw something about that uh, on FitFam or something. Mm-hmm. Hello. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's. It's not good for El Paso, no matter what. I mean, El Paso's economy depends on that Juarez economy, depends on those Juarez shoppers and everything. I, uh, I wonder, I wonder how the Kentucky Club's doing. You know, if yeah. if people, if Americans aren't walking over there to the Kentucky Club, and mm. it's only the Mexican market over there, which you know it's a substantial market for the Kentucky Club over there. But, you know, the Americans do. And all those all those bars and restaurants on Avenida Juarez, you know, they've... Well, it's got to be a strain. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Got to be For a strain. Sure. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's We're seeing uh, here, well, over there in my neighborhood, I'm seeing uh, more homeless people. Because mm-hmm. the homeless people are getting displaced from the homeless shelters because, well, we just don't have capacity for them. Mm-hmm. I know that when the 
Cubans were trying to come over here three, four years ago. They were all camped on the bridge. They were metering the Cubans, letting them in so many a day, so many a day. And the rest of them were lined up there on the bridge, very orderly. Mm -hmm. The Cubans that were over here, they uh, were not poor, particularly. Mm -hmm. They all had uh, cell phones, you know. They would be standing there on the bridge shooting video with their cell phones, sending it, you know, live video. Don't come. You'd see them in the... uh, (laughs) Bathrooms over there on the Mexican side of their bridge, shaving, you know, making the best of it, you know, mm-hmm. little urban camp and stuff like that. Wow. The Ven- Venezuelans aren't like that, you know, and all the rest of them, the Guatemalans and, and the Haitians and all the other people who are stranded over there in Juarez, they're mostly poor. So I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know what's going to happen, but it sure is. a. It's unclear what the solution is. Well, that's for sure. You know, I saw. A f- and who is the responsible party? I saw a, a photo on the internet, and you know, if it's on the internet, for sure it's true. You know, mm-hmm. but I saw a photo on the internet of these uh, produce fields in Florida with the fruit rotting in the fields because there was nobody to harvest the fruit. Mm-hmm. Come to a possible. Right. <laughs> yeah, we got a bunch of dudes here. Right, they should bring those fields over here, yes. right? Yeah. Bring the fields here. <laughs> yeah, do you know what our what's our farm labor shortage? Do you do you have any idea? I have not heard. No. But it's I'm not saying that all all of those migrants are are gonna go work in the fields, but I'm sure a lot of them would be grateful to. Uh yeah. It's maybe not the harvest season right now, though, right? So no. Maybe in the fall. I don't know. And uh, what were you saying? Oh, here's a story in the Intercept. The Texas GOP wants citizens to stop migrants. Critics say it's a vigilante death squad policy. That's from March 24th mm-hmm. in the Intercept.com. And uh, you said... That was House Bill 20, but House Bill 20 did not pass, correct? Correct. So the Republicans in the state house took that provision and put it into House Bill 7, and that was uh, adopted. Um, Yeah, like you said, the the language would create the Border Protection Unit, which which is meant to use non-deadly force to deter people from crossing the border. Um, With its officers able to arrest, apprehend, or detain persons crossing the Texas-Mexico border unlawfully. So that's... Well, um, that always works. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, the thing about crossing the border unlawfully... So, a lot of migrants were crossing and surrendering to right. Border Patrol to seek asylum. Which, that's legal, right? I forget. Well... Yeah, it used to be legal, but now it's not. Now mm-hmm. it's, uh, I think it's a civil violation. But, you know, they keep moving the laws. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what it is. But, yeah, they're saying now if you have if you enter illegally twice, or they even say in the latest thing under, uh, I think it's Title Eight, if you cross the border 
and give yourself up to a border patrol agent and ask for asylum, that's illegal hmm. or a civil violation, something. They're not, they're making you do this uh, app. And that's at the at the federal level. It's a civil, wait, civil. A civil violation at the federal level? How does that work? Right. I don't what? even know. Of course. There's a CBP-1. There's this app. You first mm-hmm. have to apply for asylum and some third country before you mm-hmm. try and come into the United States. Mm-hmm. And they're going to set up these uh, asylum centers in all these third countries. Third. Mm-hmm. So I think they got one now in... Uh, Colombia, but they're going to put them in Mexico, you know. What took so long? <laughs> I don't know. They were doing the computer program, but it was really it was glitching it was, out. Yeah, it was a glitch, and out. there weren't enough, uh, there wasn't enough opportunities for people, and... Uh, well, reading on about that Border Protection Unit, um, Rep. Aaron Gomez asked, what is to prohibit or stop a Border Protection protection unit from setting up their post in a hispanic neighborhood so on the street how do you tell a migrant from a citizen right you know before in this city there's a lot of folks who primarily speak spanish and if you set up in segundo oh, yeah. you know and now all of a sudden you're gonna have that kind of reminds me this is kind of a separate story there was a a kid, I think, in Sunland was it Sunland Park, and he was, I think, autistic on the spectrum, and he got deported. Mm-hmm. Did you hear about that? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah this was in the news last week. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, now that's a, you know, U.S. citizen, right, right there, deported by by uh, authorities. Now you're going to have these civilians uh, catching people. So I don't know. Prior to it's, 1993, the Border Patrol had that policy before they started Operation Hold the Line. The Border Patrol would drive around El Paso and they would look for people who looked like they were Mexicans. And then they would, and then they would stop them and talk to them. And if they decided they were Mexicans, they would bring them back to Juarez. They would give them a ride back to Juarez and say, okay, wow. you know, it's great if you're Border Patrol. It's job security, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some, oh, days, yeah. some days they'd catch the same guy twice, you know, so... <laughs> yeah. Lunch. Well, it's a mess. It's a mess. We're going to see what's going to happen. I can't wait to get over to Juarez and see what's really going on there. Because all we have right now is speculation. Even, well, the deal is it hasn't happened yet. It's supposed to happen mm-hmm. today. So, and even after it happens, after today, it's still going to be, we're still going to see how it shakes out, you know, so. I don't know, mm-hmm. 35,000 people. All at once. Well, day at a time and if they get approved for uh, their asylum application is approved then they're able to travel on to wherever they have a sponsor or something but if I mean there are right now currently there are a lot of people in El Paso who entered the country illegally they they're not in the system so I don't know. Let's see what happens. Well, what do you think? Well, I don't know what's going to happen either, but I know, uh, for example, when a hurricane hits or a tornado, that's an opportunity for builders. 
Right. You know what I mean? So there's something bad going on here. I wonder what the positive is going to be of it. Right. It's an opportunity for someone, hopefully, for the better. Right. You know what I mean? So never, Mm -hmm. never let a crisis go to waste. Never. Ever. No, but I mean, there's got to be something good come out of it. Okay. Uh, I've got Samantha Singleton from the Border Network Network of Human Rights on the line right now. She's going to talk about the new uh, police chief process. And uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see how that's going to turn out. Uh, there's a... She's going to tell us about the survey the city's putting out. Hey, everybody. I'm here with uh, Samantha Singleton, the policy director for the Border Network of Human Rights, and she is circulating a survey about uh, the police chief selection process for the city of El Paso. We're hiring a new police chief after Greg Allen recently passed away. So uh, it asks some questions. Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, I pulled it up and I only have. Oh, no, I have them. The, the link. Okay, I have them all. Yeah, this link is Survey Monkey, but you know, it's might be a little complicated. Where can people find this? It link is located on the city of El Paso's website. That's really? who is. Uh, yes, that's who's actually doing the survey. And so the city of El Paso is asking for community members mm-hmm. to voice their opinions, um, give feedback, and fill out the survey stating what kind of police chief they would want. And we at BNHR are highlighting it because we think it's really important for the community to speak out about what type of police chief they want to serve the city of El Paso. So it is on their website. Right, and it says, uh, first of all, you got to do the survey before May 14th, which is coming right up, right? Today's the that, 10th. That, it's like Saturday or correct. something or Monday. I don't know. I don't have a calendar here. Let me find it. It's Sunday. Sunday is the final day to, to do the survey. Right. And that's why we thought it was really important to highlight this to our community members just in case they don't know about the uh, survey that the city was doing. So we wanted to highlight it and ensure that people knew that it was there and to allow their voice to be heard. Right. And one of the questions is, the first question is, uh, what qualifications do you think are important for the police chief? And then it gives you a list. Uh, Transparency Mm -hmm. and openness, police chief experience, a record of building community trust, Blah, blah, blah. Promotes diversity and gender equity in the workplace. Community-oriented policing. The things, the uh, qualifications that you might think are most important for the chief of police. And you get to select five. It's not like you just got to pick that's one, correct. right? And then yeah, the next one uh, talks about the uh, competing priorities of the next police chief. What do you think yes. the are any of the important ones? And uh, leadership qualities. Well, that's about it. And then the rest of it is who uh, is all about you. Do you live in the city? And uh, yes. What do you think? What do you think, Samantha, about this uh, police chief? What do you think are the important care qualities we need in a police chief? So you know that's a great question, and one of the things that we've been saying consistently is we would like to see a police chief that is willing 
to uh, include accountability, willing to include transparency within their police department, willing to be community oriented, not just sit behind a desk, but be a true and a real example um, because it all starts from the head down. So we want to see this new police chief be a part of the community Exclude the separation of law enforcement and community. The city of El Paso is made up of citizens. It shouldn't matter if you're law enforcement or if you're not. We're all here. We all live here. We reside here. We're part of the community. So let's become community oriented. Divide that gap, or, you know, close that gap of the division that has been placed so that's what we want to see. We want to see someone who's willing to work with community partners, community stakeholders, and include accountability. There has to be accountability within the police department. There has to be transparency within the police department. And we want a chief of police that's willing to sit down and hold those conversations. You know, the police, I think that's very important also. The police typically, I've lived in El Paso all my life. Typically, the police are kind of separate from the community. They don't interact a lot with the community un- unless, you know, they're putting handcuffs on you or something. But they uh, they go to cop bars, you know, they hang out with other cops, and uh, they're not always a part of the community. Yeah, and that's what we want to see differently. We want to be able to collaborate and partner with, and that's what we want the chief of police to come in and say, who are the community stakeholders? Who are the community leaders? Who are the community partners? Who can we collaborate with? Have community town hall meetings where it's not only law enforcement, but there are community leaders in there. Those community leaders are speaking to what's happening in their community. We need a police chief that is community oriented, who cares about the community and not just law enforcement only. And uh, I know it's bad taste, bad manners to criticize Chief Allen, but he his officers loved him, you know, and I think uh, I mean, he went to bat for them over and over again, often retaining officers that had done something bad, like, you know killed somebody you know uh like that mondo kenneth gomez i believe his name is who shot that kid in his mom's living room you know and uh he the testimony the officer gave was contradicted by video by the video cam by you know by it by everything i'm not sure it was a video cam but it was contradicted by other witnesses and he got kicked up to the uh academy you know instead of being really disciplined. So I'd like to see a police chief that holds his officers accountable to the community standards and not just to the police standards. Exactly. And we agree with that. You know, we are, uh, if you look at it from a customer service perspective, the law enforcement, we are the customers to the law enforcement. They are here to protect and to serve the community. And so what we're asking is that the new police chief comes in and sits down and really evaluates what's going on within the department and make internal and external changes, but make them for the better, not for law enforcement only. Make them for the community. 
because no one wants to fear law enforcement. We want to be able to call on law enforcement when we need them. And law enforcement should be held accountable to disciplinary actions and disciplinary measures when they abuse their power. I remember uh, years ago, one of the presidential candidates from the Libertarian Party said, uh, when you look in your rearview mirror and you see a police car behind you, do you feel safer or do you feel scared? You know, and I think that's true for all of us. Whenever there's a uh, police car behind us, we think, oh, no, I hope I didn't do something wrong. You know, and does the Border Network for Human Rights have a policy position on the need for mental health professionals? to handle some calls have you guys talked about that at all so we were had the opportunity to meet with the recruiter which was a part of the firm that was hired by the city of El Paso, and we did voice that we would like to see mental health be a priority with the new chief of police as well we believe that there should be some exclusive training we know that there's training internally that touches on racial profiling that touches on mental health but we would like to see some exclusive individual training on these things because this is what the community has been saying that's happening there's individuals who have mental health issues and law enforcement is not prepared to handle that. So we did touch on that, that being a very much a concern to BNHR and to community members. Well, very good. That sounds great, uh, Samantha. Thank you for your time. Uh, again, you can take that survey at the City of El Paso website there. And uh, yes. please do. Please, the more participation we get, the better. Because, you know, I bet the... Uh, I bet the police unions stacking that deck right now. So, yeah, please, if you're yeah. out there, please uh, go take the survey and let them know what you think. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Ms. Yeah, Single. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. See you later from uh, Big D's Party Palace. It's El Chuqueño Presents Almost Live with Fernie G. Thank you. Ben Ami. Have a good one. And my name is Rich Wright. We'll get back to you real soon. Thank you.